Good morning. Good morning. All right. I do have some handouts, and before I let Scott run off with them, um, I've only got 20. How many of you all brought yours from two weeks ago? How many of you are good boys and girls, and you brought your handouts back from? Great job. You all get bonus points today. The rest of you all, I'm just kidding. Uh, Scott will hand those out. Um, I've got 20, I think. Um, We are going to... Uh, get to a point where I, th- I would love to have um, some interaction. If you've got a pen or a pencil handy, we're going to be doing an activity. That's what I'm going to call it, an activity. Um, and you can sit with your paper partner there and, and go through it. Um, it is absolutely humbling. Um, I've been humbled recently. Uh, yesterday was one of those days that I was humbled. Um, I went uh, shooting trap and realized how poor of a shot I am. Uh, went home with a little few shattered clays and some shattered pride. Um, but uh, it's absolutely humbling to be able to, uh, to prepare a lesson and, and bring it uh, to you all. And I think one of the things that just hit me this morning as Jeremy was preaching, um, there's so much in scripture. Like we could spend weeks talking about prayer alone. Uh, Jeremy brought... Uh, some great points to light this morning uh, with his with his sermon. Um, we are going to be looking next week at answered prayers, and so a lot of what he was uh, bringing up this morning in his message, uh, we're going to revisit next week. Uh, so more bonus points. Hang on to that handout from the sermon this morning. Bring it back next week because I'm sure we'll we'll hit some of that um, out of the out of the gate. So today we're going to be talking about prayer as learned. As as a bit of a recap, um, two weeks ago we looked at primarily the idea that prayer is expected. Uh, We looked at the principles that Scripture teaches it, Jesus taught it, set an example in it, um, and therefore we should do it. And I believe one of the last things that I left you all with uh, was the idea of how are you all going to plan to accomplish planning to pray, or how have you all are succeeding in your prayer life. So I'm going to open the floor now and pick up from your all's homework assignment two weeks ago, which was to give this some thought. Um, what are some ways that you all are seeing fruit as you plan to pray and make plans to pray in your daily life? Or what are some things you've been thinking about the last couple of weeks on how you hope to plan to pray in the future? For you all that are here for the first time, you don't have to answer that question. Remember, I'm trained to count to 30. Planning to pray, Craig or Jake or. I think there's a couple of things that uh, I think is uh, valuable. I think it's, I believe it's good to form habits. Um, At the same time, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we want to establish something where we have, this is the time I pray. I think that should be something that we think about doing all day long. Uh, Remembering that God wants to be involved in our lives. Uh, If we're driving in the car, it's okay to pray. If If we're at a task at work, it's okay to pray, even if it just takes five seconds. I believe that's okay with God to interrupt him, as it were, uh, just for something we're dealing with. 
but I also think it's important to have a time uh, like a quiet time when you plan to pray, uh, hopefully each day, but at least as often as you can at a particular time. Uh, otherwise, it's just so easy to have, if you don't have that, just to suddenly realize, you know, I haven't really talked to God for, you know, for extended period of time for quite a while. I think it's also uh, good to pray to the Lord as you're uh, waiting to fall to fall asleep. Uh, I don't think it probably makes God angry with us when we fall asleep in the middle of a prayer. Uh, I, I think that's okay. You know, when we rise up, when we're on the way, etc. Uh, and so I, I think just to be in the habit of talking to God continually. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6. Yeah, the, the quote I shared last week as the mic's getting passed over. Jake, do you want to chime in? You had your hand up. Um, the quote from last week uh, that I shared with you all from Whitney in the book. Um, so praying without ceasing means you never really stop conversing with God. You simply have frequent interruptions. So as Greg was saying, uh, making it a constant. My thought was just, um, you were talking about what, what has been fruitful or productive. This is more of a personal example, so it may not be applicable. For those of you who have a long morning commute, for, for me, that's pretty, that's pretty solid um, because you're getting ready for the day. Generally, you're alone or alone for at least part of it. And if you can resist the other competing things for your attention, it's a good time to sort of converse with God, and um, it's funny how when you start praying, things keep coming to mind. And, and, and again, it, it may not be incredibly regimented. You may you know, pray for a few minutes and then drive, and then it's like something comes to mind, and you can pray about that, and you're thinking about your day, or thinking about um, um, sin that you're struggling with, or thinking about your family, or, or, or work, or, or so many other things that you can apply prayer to, and, and for those of you with a long commute, that can be a good strategy. It has been for me. Yeah, that's uh, it's good. You, you said something there about praying until you pray, and there's uh, one of the things we're gonna talk about this morning, and, and we'll go ahead and jump into it, one of the points we're gonna cover. I'm gonna jump around a little bit in your outline, um, but sharing books or reading about prayer is a big thing. This is a fantastic book that uh, I had a chance to go through. Uh, last spring when um, we were all kind of in lockdown mode. Um, but it's a great book by D.A. Carson called Praying with Paul. Um, it uh, goes through a lot of Paul's prayers uh, for the church. Uh, we're going to be looking at one of those passages this morning. Um, but it really just opened my eyes um, to Paul's prayers. Um, and it uh, had a fantastic little thing in here about praying until you pray. And, and if, you've, if you've been praying and you start off uh, somewhat distracted and then as you find yourself focused more and more on prayer suddenly you're praying about things that weren't on your mind several minutes ago and it um, you, you just feel a presence you, you feel the Holy Spirit moving uh, in your prayer and and it's a really it's a really sweet spot to find yourself in so I'm glad you brought that point up Jake all right so as we uh, come right out of the gate here I, I want to start off just by a fun little quote by our friend Charles Spurgeon um, uh, he said, there is joy in hell 
when a saint grows idle. There is gladness among devils when we cease to pray, when we become slack in faith and feeble in our communion with God. There is joy in hell when a saint grows idle. There is gladness among devils when we cease to pray, when we become slack in faith and feeble in our communion with God. Uh, what a cool, what a cool thought. Um, we have to be vigilant in our prayer life. We have to commit ourselves to it, and that was pretty much the premise of our study two weeks ago. Uh, so today we're going to look at uh, four things. We're going to look at reading about prayer, which I've kind of touched on already. Uh, we're going to talk about praying with and for others. Uh, we're going to talk about prayer by praying. In other words, we learn to pray by praying. Um, and then we're going to also look at uh, prayer is learned by meditating on scripture, which Greg had touched on uh, in his portion on uh, scripture study. So uh, to start us off reading about prayer, um, I've got a little note there. I would love to have uh, any of you all share some books, if you've got them on the tip of your tongue now that have been impactful for your prayer life. Um, obviously, I just already shared with you Praying with Paul. It's a great book. I'd be happy to loan it to you if you'd like a copy. Uh, there's another book that Nine Marks uh, had put out, have, has put out part of their Healthy Church series. Uh, it's on prayer within the church. This is another good little read. Um, had a chance to read it last year. Uh, lots of good information in that. Um, the book that we're looking through right now, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, obviously has a whole chapter on prayer. Uh, fantastic read as well. And then Greg Rolak brought this one to me um, last week, I believe. A great little book. Unfortunately, my dog got to it. <laughs> Friday night, I was kind of doing some prep on the, on the porch, uh, waiting to come to the lock-in to pick up a nephew, and I went in for like two seconds, and she nipped the side of it, but not as badly as this one. <laughs> so, yeah, keep your eye on your puppy. But great books. This one's called Lord Teach Us to Pray. I'm sure Greg would let you loan it. It's by Kevin Carr. It goes into depth on what we're going to slightly touch on this morning with the Lord's Prayer. So there's always a good plethora of books out there to study. Any, anybody have one on the tip of their tongue they'd like to share? If not, we'll, we'll move on. But it would be great if we could put, what, I'll, what I'm going to try to work on is getting a list from some other people. Um, I think I put the elders on the hook. Sorry, guys. But uh, we'll try to get some books from some of you all um, and share with the rest of us on prayer because there's a lot out there. But the point being, um, just like anything, we're going to learn well from others. So a uh, question I want to start off with. When you look back on your life, uh, your Christian life especially, who are some people that have influenced your prayer life? Um, I'll share a, a brief example. Um, my grandmother, uh, Grace Cook, had the same prayer she prayed every lunch. And I remember right down to the squeak of her false teeth what that prayer sounded like. And I could probably recite it to you uh, verbatim. Um, but I remember as a kid, you know, sitting at the table when we'd be over there at lunch, she would say the same prayer. And it, it just the same cadence, the same, like I said, the squeaking of the, the dentures even. Uh, you know, and along with that is, is the image of my grandfather pouring his hot coffee into a saucer, which to me made no sense. Why would you do that? But it would be to cool because it was August and 90 degrees in the house. So it, I was is thinking about this. Um, certainly she influenced my early prayer life. Um, 
But as, as Greg pointed out a moment ago, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a routine with our prayer and not judging my grandma at all, uh, rest her soul, but um, that was a routine prayer. Um, anybody? Have anybody they want to share that's influenced them? Lois? This is for the old timers. Norma, Norma Greenfield, um, a dear lady that couldn't stand up straight. Um, when you talked to her, you had to kind of bend down so she could see you. And she would come up to anybody during the, during the service and say, the Lord brought you to my mind last night because she couldn't sleep real well. And so she would pray and pray and pray. And it was amazing how many times the Lord would bring a person to mind that needed the prayer. And so that was just a, just a uh, example, I guess, that we should always be open to prayer when it comes to mind and, and that we should tell the people when we've been praying for them. Yeah, great point. Um, another lady that comes to my mind uh, attended our church in Kentucky. Her, her name was Mary Jean Reese. Um, one of those ladies that if you went up to, she's sitting in her chair, uh, you'd ask her how she's doing, um, and then her next response, but how can I be praying for you? And, uh, well, you know, this, this, and this, and then she'd just drop a prayer right there on the spot, and it was, uh, it was humbling several times for her to just to know that she was praying for us and, and whatever was going on in our lives. Who else? Lindsay? So we didn't come when Joel was Joel Anders was a t uh, preacher here, um, but I went. Our kids went to a daycare in Martinsdale, and my daycare lady knew Joel from his prayer walks around Martinsdale, and I just thought it was amazing how um, they didn't attend our church or anything, but they knew Joel because and they had conversations with him, um, and just his prayer walks that just took him around Martinsdale, spreading the good news. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Form an intercessory prayer, I'm sure. Jen? So two people. Stacy Moore um, has been a big encouragement when I listened to her pray of how scripture-focused it is. The whole, like, pray till you pray um, has been very helpful to just direct my heart and mind and actually focus it, and it's been helpful. And then my parents. Um, growing up, just how much it was a... Uh, oh, you're stressed out about going to work. I'm going to wake up at 5 in the morning with you and, you know, or I'll pray before bed with you when you're 18 because you're stressed out or before something, just how it wasn't that scheduled. We're always going to do it this time, but never too old to pray with your kid when they're in high school and struggling with something or at night or in the morning or whatever, just that constancy of, well, we'll just pray with you about it. So, yeah, What a blessing. Two great examples. Stacy. It's not a personal example, but um, George Miller, the man who, and if anybody knows the description of his life better than I do, I have a lot of um, facts I probably don't have right, but he was a German man who moved to England and basically um, set up orphanages. And um, he, his mission was um, to just care for these children, obviously set up a home for them to live. And he, um, he prayed for everything. And um, I never even finished his autobiography because the book I have is just enormous. But um, just the kind of thing where he, um, 
I don't know if you've ever read stories about some missionaries who don't ever um, specifically solicit funds. So he always turned any financial need over to the Lord. So he was constantly in prayer. And there's just amazing stories of, you know, just how the Lord would provide, like at the what at the eleventh hour, just um, you know, the the children don't have dinner, and it's just about dinner time, and then the 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 bread baker truck is broken down outside or whatever and so they had all this bread in abundance to to feed the children and anyway that's that's been a really good example for me to remember how he was totally dependent upon the lord for all things and also took everything to him as well and um just made this request known at all times yeah fantastic jake I think it's just really telling um, those of you that are sharing or those of you who may think of thinking of something and not sharing. When we think about prayer, we primarily think about the, you know, our ability to communicate with the God of the universe, and certainly it is, but the far-reaching effects that it can have, even for those around us. Some of us are sitting here thinking about people we heard pray or who prayed for us years ago. Some of those people aren't even with us anymore and yet the impact of their prayer remains. And I think that's huge. Um, just knowing that a faithful prayer life, your personal faithful prayer life, can affect all of those around you. Yeah. And we shouldn't limit it by age. One of the most moving prayers I've ever had prayed over me was prayed over by my four-year-old daughter. And I will never forget that. Just a few words, but it was very earnest. Um, and yeah, our prayer can really affect those around us. So, you know, at any age, you can be a teenager, you can be 100 years old, just the idea that the prayers we pray now, even after we're gone, you know, other believers may remember those prayers. I just think that's, that's an interesting commentary in and of itself. Yeah, great point. I was gonna tag on to uh, what Stacy yeah. was saying about George Mueller. Now, Stacy, my book that I have on George Mueller is, is about this. It's a little pamphlet, a little teeny pamphlet, <laughs> but it has all the important stuff in it about George Mueller. You got the Cliff Notes version, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> but one of the one of the stories that he has in there, someone's interviewing him, and uh, he said he had a friend who had two sons who were not believers, and he said they're not believers yet. I pray for them every day, and they will be. I mean, the, just the confidence he had in in uh in prayer yeah. and a more personal example i guess going back almost as far as norma greenfield but um mark sullivan often i don't think mark's in here is he but mark would um when merrill was still here he would often sit back before the service and talk to merrill and uh, mark told me they talked about you know farming and mark grew up on a farm and and uh, I guess Merrill often would say to Mark, uh, I, I prayed for your daughters today. Hmm. I prayed for your daughters. And um, so, I, I mean, just that, just for him to say that, you know, I mean, Merrill probably spent a lot of time praying when he was out on the, on the tractor or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. What a blessing it is to be able to pray for others uh, in intercessory prayer. And if you take a chance this week, you can look at John 17. It's a great example of Jesus uh, praying his high priestly prayer and it's a it's a superb example of of what it means to pray for others and we should be doing that Philippians 2 encourages us to put the needs of others before our own needs um, and so 
what a tremendous blessing we have to be able to pray for one another. Um, yeah, other stories of, of intercessory prayer. I've, trust me, this is built into the time. Marion. So the church I grew up in, on Wednesday nights you had prayer meeting. And when I was little, um, we had a group of probably five widows that all sat like in the second or third row, you know, together. Um, I can still picture them all sitting there. Um, but when I was little, I dreaded having to pray with them because they took forever, right? <laughs> And so after Bible study, we, we broke up into groups, we prayed, and as I got older though, you realized, wow, these women can really pray. And then when one of them told me before I left for college that she was praying for me, I truly knew she would pray for me. And she told me specifically that she was gonna pray that um, God would bring a godly man into my life. Well, it took a while, but um, uh, somebody, heard me talking about that when I was going to faith and they were going to go sing at my church, the chorale. And he's like, Hey, who is that lady? Cause I'm going to go up and tell her her prayers are answered. And so I made my mom promise that she would not tell him who that woman was in my church. Cause I, one, I didn't want to scare her. Um, and two, I didn't want her to stop praying. Um, <laughs> but, um, I would also have to say my parents just truly knowing like and hearing them pray, not only just for the family, but like specific for grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, and I'm sure it took them a while to get through all of them, but um, just, you know, that, that true concern and prayer for, not just that they're gonna be healthy or whatever, but just their spiritual life, really. Mm, yeah. Anyone else? I'll read this from Whitney, uh, again from his book, page 93. Um, he says, many of the great movements of God can be traced to a small group of people he called together to begin praying. Think about that. Many of the great movements of God can be traced to a small group of people he called together to be praying. Al? I was just going to say, <clears throat> most of you didn't know my mother, but uh, she was a pretty quiet lady and um, but we always knew that she was praying for us um, not only growing up but uh, as we got older and had families of our own and uh, they were just always praying for us praying for us praying for the grandkids and um, yeah it was uh, it was humbling it was encouraging yeah I uh, had a chance I was um, fresh out of college had a chance to work on a uh, campus ministry for a while, two years, um, and uh, the minister that I was appointed to work under, the campus minister, anytime we'd go out to eat, um, you know, the server would come up, take our order, and uh, he would just politely say, um, we have a custom and tradition of praying before our meal, how can we be praying for you? And it was uh, really neat to see sometimes the, the outpouring of sincerity uh, from servers, um, uh, and, and just how vulnerable some of them could be and would just tell you exactly what's going on with their day or what's going on with their lives and it was a really neat opportunity. So he was certainly somebody too that had influenced. Now I haven't done that. I haven't quite got the boldness to do that, but it's pretty, pretty neat, pretty neat thing to think about. Anyone else? Uh, 
Um, a couple other examples just about praying with others. Um, and, and, and if hopefully it maybe jogs some memories uh, for you all too, if you've been part of a, a body of people praying for a specific thing. But um, also had a chance uh, in college uh, to be part of a, um, an outreach effort in, in Panama City Beach because that was the back, back in the days, the, the late 90s, that's where people went on spring break uh, for the wrong reasons. Um, but uh, we, would, uh, we would go down as part of, of some work with the Baptist Campus Center that we were part of. Um, we had an outreach called Beach Reach, and um, we would uh, take down our 10 to 12 passenger vans. We set up basically a Uber uh, service uh, for people to call. We'd spend the first day going out, passing out flyers with phone numbers on it for the call center. Um, and the purpose was to go pick people up from one place, take them to another in transit, uh, strike up a conversation, hopefully turn the corner, present the gospel to them and, and see what neat things um, the Holy Spirit did in the course of the evening. Um, there were some really neat times where we saw God do some amazing things uh, while we we're part of that. But we had a prayer room uh, where another 30, 40, 50 college students would be there praying for the different fans and there were text messages coming in about this conversations happening between these two people pray for them and it was really kind of cool from the aspect that it was a organized prayer activity that was front and center gospel related um uh it was just neat to be part of we we saw some cool things happen um some people come to faith it was genuine uh, had a chance to make sure good follow-up took place as they got back and we worked to find them a church and their local community. Um, another thing, I was part of a, a, another similar ministry in Richmond, Kentucky, where I went to school. And uh, Eastern Kentucky University made the top three party schools, according to Playboy magazine, in uh, 1995. So they had 10, 12 bars, all within walking distance of campus. It was a mecca for the bad stuff. So when I came along, um, there was an organization, a, a ministry called Jericho Road, based on the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, and we set out on a couple of different street corners with our little tables. We made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Kool-Aid. And uh, as people came out of the bars, we were there to just meet them, talk with them, build relationships with them. We'd see some people every week because we were down there every Thursday night uh, when the students were. Um, and over time, it went from this uh, number three sinful Mecca uh, to, I believe, when we graduated and left, there were only two bars left open. Bars were closing. Uh, and again, we had a room. The community of churches came together, put a room down there in the downtown district, had a map of the city, uh, and it was a prayer room that people could come anytime during the day or night and pray. Uh, and we had a lot of people praying uh, for that, and it was just cool to see God move. So great examples of what it means to learn to pray by praying with others and for others. Um, so thank you all for your thoughts and sharing. Um, so let's, let's move on to one of our other points here. Um, we're going to jump into um, calling another audible. We're going to go to meditating on Scripture. So... Um, we're going to look at the example from Philippians 1.9 and, and this is where if you want to uh, grab a pen or a pencil and we're going to jot through I've, I've taken the time to type out uh, the two 
three, four verses we're going to look at here from Philippians 1. So I'll read them, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into to our point with prayer. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. So this passage was, it did come from the book um, Praying with Paul. This is one of Paul's prayers. Um, and what I'd like for you to do just in the next two minutes, we're gonna sit quietly like it's a homework assignment, and I want you to go through those verses on this sheet of paper, and I want you to circle or underline any of the words that stand out. Specifically, think about verbs, nouns. Oh man, we're getting a grammar lesson, aren't we? Nouns, verbs, those key words and phrases. Um, pay particular attention to things like so that. Um, and this is one of the tools that uh, Whitney brings out in his book uh, about meditating on Scripture, just taking the time to, to underline those words and think about those words, and then I'm going to show you how um, it can be applied to your prayer life. So I'll give you just a minute or two to do that. What was the reference, Jamie? Uh, Philippians 1.9 through 11.
So I'll read this from, again, the Donald Whitney book. It's the basis for our study here. And then uh, we'll start talking about some of these words. So on the chat, on the section about meditating on scripture, Whitney has this to say, the process works like this. After the input of a passage of scripture, meditation allows us to take what God has said and think deeply on it, digest it, and then speak to God about it in meaningful prayer. Weren't we talking about chewing a cud like a month ago, three, four weeks ago, we were talking about chewing the cud and how animals do that, and we were talking about meditating on scripture. So um, I just wanted to say that again, I guess, about digesting it especially. As a result, we pray about what we've encountered in the Bible, now personalized through meditation. And not only do we have something substantial to say in prayer, as well as the confidence that we are praying God's thoughts to him, but we transition smoothly into prayer and with more passion for what we're praying about. So the idea is that by meditating on scripture and then praying that scripture, uh, this, this union of the two uh, mesh really well. Um, think of food and water, right? If, if scripture is our meat, uh, if the word of God is our milk, Jesus himself said man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God, if that is our meat, um, then think of prayer as the water in which you wash it down with. There's a, 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 a symbiotic relationship, a beneficial relationship of the two taking place together. Um, so as, you, as you're meditating on God's word, you find yourself going into prayer about those passages. Prayer is happening at the same time you're meditating on God's word. Um, and if you've encountered that, if you've been able to do that, it's a, it's a really neat uh, uh, and, and sweet spot to find yourself in. So with the exercise um, that I've laid out here before you with Philippians 1.9, what were some of the words and, and phrases that you may have circled? Anybody want to share? Jeremy. So admittedly, this started as sort of a sarcastic comment, but um, <laughs> verses 9 through 11 are all one sentence. Uh, grammatically, it's a bunch of commas, um, but the, the verb for the sentence is the word is. Um, and you had mentioned that we should look for the verbs and the nouns and stuff, and I was going to be sarcastic about how is is the verb. But really, that, that is a... It's, it's a word, it's a small word, but it, it means something in this sentence. It's not, it was my prayer, it has been my prayer, it's it is my prayer. It's an ongoing, it's an active, um, you know, it's, it's something that is on his mind constantly and, um, and as, as small and insignificant as the word is seems, uh, it's doing a lot of work in this sentence. It is. Great point. And that's just a two-letter word. Great point. What else? Jacob. The thing that stood out to me is the, he's praying that their love would abound with knowledge and all discernment. Yep. I don't <clears throat> normally think of love as something that 
requires knowledge and discernment, but that's a good reminder just that that's the kind of fully orbed love he's talking about that we know and understand, not just have a kind of a feeling or idea. Excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. Here, well, the, the point that Jacob brought up was that the prayer is that your love may abound more and more, but there is a with knowledge and discernment. How often in our culture today is the word love taken completely out of context? Think about that. And what Paul's saying is here, I want your love to abound more and more, but it needs to be knowing and discerning, right? We need to know exactly what that sort of love is and what love means biblically. We can't just willy-nilly go around loving everything, right? We have to know and be able to discern what love is. But there's more, right? So that, in verse 10, you may approve what is excellent. So that you may approve what is excellent. So. Our love should grow and grow with knowledge and discernment. We're gonna know, become more discerning about what love is as we interact with one another in the body of Christ, right? So that we may approve what is excellent. Often in my prayers, I'm praying for an answer. And I think one of the things that when I was going through the book, Praying with Paul, that stood out to me about this passage was that I've never truly prayed for what is excellent. I just want an answer. Do I take this job? Do I quit my job? Do what? But I rarely do I think, Lord, what is excellent? Because that should be my prayer, right? What is excellent? I, I, it just really stuck with me um, about praying for what is excellent. Um, and, and Paul wants the church to be able to do that. But we have to know. We have to be able to discern what love is and, and what Scripture teaches. What were some of the other words that stood out? What's the condition after what is excellent there? Right? And so be what? Pure and blameless. Right? How many of you all are pure and blameless? Any takers? Yeah. Right? We're continually growing, abounding in love so that we know, so that we can discern, so that we can pursue what is excellent, so that we're pure and blameless. For what? What's next? For the day of Christ. Now, what is that? Any takers on what the day of Christ is? Today is the day of Christ, right? What about the day of Christ? When this is often referred to. His second coming, correct? Right? So that we can be pure and blameless on the day of Christ when he returns. Ironically, I woke up yesterday morning and did what, I'm going to admit it, some of us do. Uh, before we're even out of bed, we reach for our phone and we see what's happening on social media or on the news or whatever. And, I, and ironically, I had two articles within two little swipes of each other about the end times. And I'm sure if you're on social media at all lately, you're probably seeing this more and more. And what I really loved about these two articles 
was that it wasn't getting into the hype. It wasn't getting into what's changing. It was biblically based. Here are the signs. Here are the important things. And it is simply to be prepared as if he's coming. So taking that into context to this passage, this is something, as Jeremy pointed out, it is Paul's prayer. This is ongoing. This is always uh, something that we need to be living for. And so verse 11 Um, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, all for the glory and praise of God. I mean, that's the end goal, is to the glory and praise of God. So as we close up here, how would we pray this passage? How would we pray this passage? By simply focusing on some, some of these key words and phrases, right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to close us out in prayer by praying this verse for us. All right, and then uh, we'll go. So today, just kind of as a wrap up, uh, we looked at some of the different books that we can read, uh, how important it is to be praying with and for others, um, and that we can learn to pray uh, by meditating on the scriptures. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be able to gather together in your name for your glory uh, to go out among uh, the world and be a light in a dark place. And Father, with Paul's prayer here in Philippians 1, um, it was his hope um, that the body of believers, that their love would be increased Um, that it would abound more and more, um, that the church would be built up in love, um, but that love would come with knowledge and discernment, um, trusting scriptures to teach us what love is, the example that you've set for us in what love is. Um, We pray that prayer for us today, uh, the church that meets meets in Martinsdale, uh, that our love would abound more and more for one another, um, for the lost world that's outside these doors, um, so that we will grow in knowledge and discernment of your word, so that as we seek your will in our lives, that we can approve those things that you find to be excellent, and not just things that we want, our selfish desires, our pleasures, as Jeremy was talking about this morning, Lord, but what is excellent, what is ultimately your will, so that as we grow and mature and wait on your return, the day of Christ, we can be found pure and blameless on that day. Knowing all the while that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness as we work um, to strengthen these disciplines in our lives. Not that we will earn our salvation or earn special merit with you, but because we love you and out of the devotion find ourselves working to please you. It is all through Jesus Christ that these, this fruit comes, and we give you glory for that. And it is ultimately for your glory and praise that we seek. In your son's name I pray, amen. All right, well thank you all so much uh, for your ears, and uh, you all have a fantastic week. We will pick up next week on Prayer is Answered.